Amen. Praise the Lord today. Amen. Did you hear uh, the Lord was pleased with his thunder? Did you hear that? The screens were even shaking. You may be seated uh, this morning. And uh, as Dave was talking about that, I was thinking about the one day we will, uh, we will all get to sing better than Dave, actually. Right, Dave? You picture in your mind that day, as Scripture talks about, that every, from every tribe, tongue, and nation will bow before the Lord and worship. Are you going to be a part of that audience? Are you going to participate in worship? And uh, just thinking about that as the choir was there singing, I'm going to ask you just for a moment, would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? And I want you just to, to take a moment this morning to, as Dave was talking about, remembering what once was lost in utter darkness. There's not, there's not shades of gray. You're either a sinner going to hell or you're a saint going to heaven. When I was 17 years old, I was lost in utter darkness. Jesus reached down and pulled me into light. Marvelous light. Just take a moment to, to relive that memory in your mind. God, we, uh, those of us in here this morning that have been playing that thought in our mind, that memory, that moment in time when, as Ephesians talks about, we were orphans and we became adopted. We were in darkness, brought to light. We were aliens, foreigners, without citizenship, brought into your kingdom. But Lord, there's people here in, in the audience today that have never experienced that. And I ask this morning that as we open up your word, as we uh, conclude this study in Jonah, Lord, that you would allow us to hear from you. And Lord, those in here this morning that have never given their life to Jesus Christ, never repented and turned to you. I ask that you would reveal that to them this morning. That as they walk away today, that today would be the day they would look back on when they found Jesus. Lord, we thank you for, for grace and mercy. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, we have a f uh, several guests with us. So I'm going to ask if our, uh, we have three missionary couples, if they would go ahead and make their way to the platform. We're going to give them a few minutes to, uh, to share. And so uh, if you were in Sunday school class, you probably had an opportunity to hear them speak. And uh, so uh, Brian and Giselle Kane are going to the Philippines, and they're right here. And then Bradley and Stephanie Roberts, uh, they are going to Guatemala. Uh, and then Sammy and Becky, they are in Romania. And so God is using these families and has uh, an awesome story uh, how he um, has called them to missions. And so you know we've been talking about missions 
uh, for the last two weeks, this being the third week, and uh, we've been trying to challenge you. So in your bullet this morning, you again received this risk brochure and bulletin, and at the close of the service, we want you to, uh, to bring that card forward this morning uh, with the amount that God has given you and that you're going to, uh, by faith, commit to give to Him. Um, and the reason we're asking you to do that is because we want to uh, be able to support missionary families like this, uh, missionary families that are uh, going all over the world uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if, if you haven't made that decision yet, uh, kind of process through that this morning as they speak and as we uh, conclude our Jonah series. Um, but who wants to go first? Anybody just want to volunteer to go first? All right, Bradley, thank you. Very good. Hey, uh, I'm Brad, and this is my wife, Stephanie Roberts, and we have a little boy, August, who's in the nursery right now. And uh, we are Mano Worldwide Missionaries to Guatemala. We are super excited to, to be heading that way. And real, uh, something about us is we actually met on a Mana mission trip to uh, Romania, where we actually met Sammy and Becky there 10 years ago, which is small world. Wow, awesome. So uh, that's where God called us to missions. He placed missions in our heart. That's where we met each other, actually. And uh, we're... I think your mic went out. I'll, I'll swap you. Here we go. Oh. Here we go. All right. There we go. So, yeah, we... Uh, we're going to Guatemala, and what we're doing down there is something called family-style orphan care or uh, transition homes. And basically, in Guatemala, international adoption is closed. And so uh, orphanages are being just overran, overcapacitated, and Guatemala now has an orphan crisis there. They have the most orphans in the Western Hemisphere than any other country. And there's a doc uh, documented 370,000 orphans there with another 5,000 undocumented on the streets and that number just keeps rising because it, uh, international adoption is closed. These kids have no hope of really ever being adopted. And we saw that, we heard that, and it just broke our hearts for those kids because uh, some orphanages, they might kick the kids out at age 14 and uh, they just have no place to go. Some boys can join gangs, girls get, might get married early or uh, uh, get pregnant and have a kid they can't take care of and that kid ends up in an orphanage again and that cycle just repeats and so we just saw that need and that burden there and uh, prayed about what we wanted to do and God opened up so many doors for us to partner uh, and be a part of MANA and start uh, this uh, project in Guatemala and basically you're bringing the family to the kids there uh, MANA's looking for a property to build uh, these houses to take in orphans and each house has a uh, good godly family to lead it and will help uh, direct this village and we just want to invest in these kids. Uh, Mana's uh, main mission statement is rescuing children from the grip of poverty and they see it as physical poverty, emotional poverty, uh, educational poverty and spiritual poverty and that's how we want to invest in these kids. We want to give them a home, we want to uh, invest in them emotionally, educationally and make disciples out of them who make disciples, who make disciples. And uh, that's just their whole goal and prayer for these kids that they can go out and change Guatemala more than me and Steph could ever do on our own. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bradley. Stephanie, who wants to go next? Sammy, I'm right here. I'll let you have it, all right? 
Hello, my name is Samuel Chupuliga. I'm a missionary to Romania with my uh, lovely wife, Becky, and we serve the Lord uh, with uh, our kids, uh, Sammy and uh, Joshua, uh, in Romania. And first of all, we want to thank you for having us. And as I said in one of the classes that we visited this morning, uh, we are doing what we are doing, all of us, in Romania, Guatemala, uh, Philippines, because of two reasons. One, because God called us to do that. And second of all, is because you are praying for us and supporting us. Mm. And we want to thank you for that. And um, as uh, Pastor John uh, talked about risk, a mission is about risk, getting mm. out of your comfort zone. And uh, <clears throat> we are serving the Lord in three ministries, uh, one in two villages called Lupsha and Rogova, and one uh, in Severin. We are MANA missionaries, and uh, uh, we are uh, really, really glad to represent MANA in Romania. Uh, uh, God blessed us with so many uh, projects. We have um, two orphanages, we have uh, two feeding centers, uh, and uh, we're really glad, glad to see how God uh, is working in Romania. Uh, lately, it's really hard to reach uh, uh, the adults in Romania, but uh, God opened us a door through the children and uh, uh, youth. And uh, we start two Awana programs in uh, two of our churches, and right now in uh, Severin, uh, that's the city where we live, um, we uh, have a WANA program and we run out of space. We uh, are uh, meeting in a fellowship hall and we have there around uh, 50 uh, kids that um, are playing there. So uh, this year we decided to make a step of faith and uh, we went to the uh, city hall, uh, see the mayor, and we paid the, the uh, tax uh, so we can get the permit to build a gym. Uh, oh, awesome. It required a lot of money. We have like 5%, but we know that God will uh, provide uh, that. And uh, it's really nice to see how uh, the parents start to come uh, to the church. Thank you for uh, having us, for praying for us and supporting us. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. And Brian, I'll turn it over to you, Brian. Hello. Uh, good morning. My name is Brian Kane. This is my wife, Giselle. Uh, we are missionaries to Cebu City, Philippines. We have two children, uh, Matthias, who's nine years old, and Janessa, who is four. Uh, we are uh, currently on deputation, so we have not actually uh, started our own ministry there yet in the field. Uh, but we have had uh, numerous opportunities to be there, uh, to, to go there. Giselle was actually raised there. She is the product of uh, missionary work in the Philippines. And um, the Lord just has uh, called us each individually long before we met each other uh, to go into the mission field. And it wasn't until about two and a half years ago that uh, he uh, revealed to us specifically that it was supposed to be the Philippines. Uh, but we are... Uh, we, like I said, we've get, had some opportunities to go over there and, and to work there. And uh, what we've noticed is that the Philippines is becoming a mission-sending country itself. Uh, and so there are missionaries going out from the Philippines to areas like Pakistan and uh, the Middle East, uh, other parts of the Middle East, to South Central Asia. And uh, one of the things that we want to do when we get there is to train other missionaries uh, so that we can reach beyond the Philippines and into some of these other areas. And... Um, we just, uh, uh, we're, 
you guys have been uh, one of the first churches to take us on for support. Uh, about a year ago, you took us on for support, and so we've been looking forward to coming and meeting you and, and, and seeing your faces and, and building some of those relationships. And so we're just very excited to, to be here and be able to speak with you. Uh, but um, I want to just real quickly also talk about how fertile of a field uh, the Philippines is. Uh, because last year we had an opportunity to go for three months and work with some veteran missionaries there in Manila. And uh, we got to spend one week where we got to go through uh, into different schools, different high schools. And we got to go into a new high school each day. Uh, for five days, and um, we got the chance to present the gospel in the schools to about 3,000 10th graders. And uh, this is just one grade. 10th, 10th grade is what we were focusing on. And we got the chance to uh, preach the gospel and, and break up into small groups and present the gospel uh, to about uh, 3,000 10th graders. And we saw uh, just over 1,000 of those come to know Christ. Wow, amen. And uh, so we are very excited about that, and we, we fully uh, believe the Lord can and will be doing uh, similar things in Cebu uh, with our ministry once we get there and get started. So, uh, like I said, we're just very glad to be here. We're so thankful for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Would you guys give them a hand? Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. You guys can go ahead and go to your seat. Thank you. I was, uh, we got to have dinner with them last night, and uh, I was thinking as, as Brian was introducing or telling you about his kids, uh, Matthias is nine, and uh, I'll never forget, he told me his name is Matthias Paul Kane. He said, you may not know this, but all three of my names are in the Bible. And he said, Matthias is in the first part of Acts, and, he, and then he was kind of like, I think you probably know who Paul is. And then Cain is the one that killed his brother. I was like, yeah, I know, I know that. Don't follow Cain. That's what I was thinking. But uh, great missionary families. And I want to encourage you. You guys have that, that brochure, risk brochure, uh, with their pictures on it, their names on it, their information of their website and email and how you can get in touch with them. Um, and, and, of course, Hallmark has been a great uh, sponsor and supporter of missionaries um, but the truth is, as much as, as maybe they need uh, our money, uh, what they covet as much, if not more, is your prayers. Um, and even just an email from you letting them know that you're praying for them, uh, you have no idea what that may uh, do for them as they minister in a foreign country. And so I'd encourage you to, to keep that brochure, pray for them, uh, pray for them by name, pray for their kids, and ask that God would, would bless them, provide for them, and protect them. And uh, so open up your Bibles to Jonah. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 4. Um, I don't know where this came from, but I'm, this is getting on my nerves. You guys, can't, you guys are not seeing me very well. So is this yours, Dave? Not anymore? All right. It's, it's not my anniversary or anything, so I'm not sure why it's here. But uh, some of you guys are kind of angry at me right now, aren't you? I shaved this week, and so I'm just kind of in this mode of trimming things up. Uh, I'm not a, is it a horticulturist? Is that what you say? Is that, is that what you're supposed to do to a rose bush in the spring? Anyways, it was annoying me because I couldn't see over it very well. All right, Jonah chapter 4. All right, now we've been talking about risk. We've been talking about Jonah, and we, uh, the unfortunate thing, at least for me, 
uh, as we've been going through this series, is that um, I come to real, a realization that I don't like. And the realization is that I'm a lot like Jonah. Now, I haven't run in the opposite direction, per se, as, as God has asked me to go, and I've never been thrown overboard yet, and I've never been swallowed by a fish yet. So I guess it could happen. But we've been looking at the heart of God, haven't we? That God is on mission. That God is merciful. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is a mission, missional God who sends missionaries. And the greatest one he ever sent was Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus on mission to rescue us, didn't he? And as I look at the life of Jonah, and, and if you read through the first three chapters of Jonah, and if you were to stop, and, and, and kind of part of me wishes that Jonah f- chapter 4 was not ever written. Because if it stopped in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10 there where it says, God relented from his anger, he showed compassion, he showed mercy, and the entire city of Nineveh was saved because the messenger Jonah finally went. Now, there's a lot of application as far as, you know, Jonah, we understand. I'm not sure that he ever really repented of his sin. In, in, remember when they threw him overboard, and it and describes here in chapter 2, is he sinking to the bottom of the sea? And I think a lot of times we picture that as soon as Jonah goes overboard, it does say the storm stopped. But it doesn't say that immediately, you know, like I think sometimes we picture that as Jonah is is mid-air that the fish comes out of the air and just grabs a hold of Jonah and God rescues him. But it seems to me in that description in chapter 2 that, that there was a time where Jonah was sinking, like the old hymn says, sinking deep in sin, far from the... And there's this cry out for deliverance. You ever been in a desperate situation and cried out for God to deliver you? And, and if you read through the book of Psalms, there's lots of prayers of deliverance. There's is this also this prayer of, of thankfulness that Jonah was rescued. When, when I was about, at, I was at the depths of Sheol, death. Gives us the picture of death and, 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 a, and a, a far from the presence of God. And when Jonah's saying, when I was at the, the worst, at, at the very brink of death, right there, what did God do? He saved him. He rescued him. Jonah's prayer is about the deliverance of God, and it's about the, the gratitude for God delivering him, but we don't really read in the chapter of Repentance. And I was kind of just hit with that thought that week is that isn't it easy to cry out to God when you're desperate? Isn't it easy to like, God, rescue me because there's, I've tried everything else and there's nothing's going to rescue me. There's, there's no hope, so God, you're my only hope. And, and what just kind of kept going over my mind is I want to be a person that is desperate for God even though I'm not desperate. Desperate for God and to know God and who He is and His presence and His mercy and His grace, even though for me right now life is pretty good. 
And the reality is that for most of us in the room, you may be dealing with some, some things in your life, but, but, but compared to most of the people in the world, life for us is pretty good. Like even just this morning, we're not sitting in the rain. Aren't you thankful for that? Now some that aren't here are sleeping, but they're not sitting in the rain, right? How many of you were tempted to sleep in this morning? Raise your hand. It's okay. You're in church. You probably, probably ought to be honest here, right? Can I be desperate for God even though I'm not in a desperate situation? And so at the end of chapter 3, everything seems good. Jonah was kind of iffy whether he was really obedient for the right reasons. I think he finally just decided he was done fighting God. And, and so he goes and he preaches the message and even the king buys in and he places his faith in God and God rescues the entire city. And if Jonah, the book of Jonah, ended in chapter 3, Jonah may have went down as one of the greatest prophets. He walks through the city. He preaches the message pretty much just as he's walking through the city. And the entire city repents. That's a revival, isn't it? And, and how awesome for Jonah to experience that. But then, why did God put Jonah chapter 4 in there? Let's read Jonah chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So what, what displeased Jonah? Well, if you look at verse 10 of chapter 3, God's forgiveness to the people, it displeased Jonah. Verse 2, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously from Tarshish. So he gives the reason why he flees. God, I told you this was going to happen. That's what he says there in verse 2. Because I know that you are gracious and merciful, God. You're slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Jonah is mad because Jonah is, is having this argument with God. Anybody ever argued with God? And he's like, God... This is exactly why I didn't want to come to Nineveh, because I knew you loved people. I knew you were merciful. I knew you were gracious. I knew that if they repented, that you were going to forgive them and you were going to save them. And the truth is, God, I don't like those people. Those are the Assyrians. Those are the ones that are trying to destroy your people, the nation of Israel, and I despise them. They're our enemies. And the reason I did not want to go give the message of repentance is because I knew that you loved people, that you were a missional God, that you were a merciful God, and that if I told them the message, you were going to give them grace. I wonder if Jonah thought, I can't go back home now. Instead of God bringing judgment on our enemies... Because I went and told them of God's love and mercy and grace and forgiveness, now our enemies are still our enemies. They survived. Verse 3, Therefore, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah wants to die. God, I, I would rather die than to see these people come to know you. That's what he's saying, isn't it? All right, let's look at verse 4. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? God ever ask you that question? You ever question God? Everybody shake your head yes. We've all questioned God. 
And God asked him, Jonah, do you really have the right to be angry? Jonah had Jonah forgot, which is what David reminded us a few minutes ago. Jonah once was lost in utter darkness, and yet God rescued him. And somehow Jonah deserved the grace of God, and somehow he deserved the mercy of God. Somehow he deserved to be in correct and right fellowship with God, but those people, they don't deserve it. And I would rather die than to see them come to know Jesus. So Jonah, verse 5, went out to the city. And on the east side of the city, it's interesting. I, I don't know that Jonah ever answered that question. You, have you ever avoided a question because you knew you didn't want to answer it? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. So he's kind of made his way from west to east across the city. The scripture tells us it's a three days walk across the city. Now there was, the message was in 40 days if you don't repent you're going to be destroyed. So whether this is three days and now he's waiting or it's been 40 days, he's now has walked through the entire city. They've repented God has forgiven them, and he's sitting out on a hillside looking at the city, and, and you know what Jonah's hoping for? That God would destroy the city. He's out there pouting on the hillside thinking, oh, I wish God would destroy them. Look what it says, verse 5. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what will become of the city. Again, we're not, we're not giving the timeline whether he quickly walked the three days journey, preached the message, got on the side of the hill and was waiting for the next 37 days to say, oh God, I hope he destroys them. But that's what he's waiting to, to watch for. Verse 6, And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and so it damaged the plant that it was withered. It happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. The sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Twice in this chapter, Jonah says what? I would rather die than live. And God said to Jonah, here comes the question again. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah didn't answer the first question, did he? Interestingly enough, he answers the second question and sounds like a, you fill in the adjective, right? I would say idiot. He said, yeah. It's right for me to be angry, even to the death. Are you, are you tracking with what's going on here in this story? Jonah has walked across Nineveh. He's preached the message. He sits on the hillside hoping that they're going to be destroyed. He sits there. God provides a shade tree, a plant, and it says he's very grateful for the plant. Then the next day, over the evening, God sends a worm 
to destroy the plant, and the next morning Jonah gets up, and the plant is gone, and now he's mad because he's hot. He doesn't really have a good seat anymore to watch the Ninevites be murdered, is what he's hoping. And God says, Jonah, come on, really? Do you have a right to be angry about that plant? And Jonah, like, shouldn't the answer be no? Yes or no? Should the answer be no? Yes, I tricked you there, right? The answer should be no. But he defends his self, himself to God. Yes, I have the right to be angry, and I have the right to even want to die over it. Probably just, this is just free advice. Not really good to argue with God, okay? You can do it, but verse 10. The Lord said, You've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. You had, you, you have, another word for that, that word pity there would be compassion. You've had more compassion you, on this plant that you didn't plant, that you didn't water. You did nothing. Oh, and by the way, it only provided you shade for one day, a few hours. Then it's gone. Verse 11, God's continuing to talk, and he says, you've had pity on the plant. Verse 11, should I not pity Nineveh or have compassion towards Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons cannot discern between their right and their left and much livestock? And some scholars would say that the 120,000 there is a reference to children who don't know from the left from the right, which would mean a lot more people. The number's kind of irrelevant. But what God is saying to Jonah, you have more compassion over this plant than you do for all these people. God asked Jonah, and he asked this question, should I not have compassion towards all people? Look in that last verse there, verse 11. What does it end with there? Question mark. What do you think Jonah's answer is? We don't know. What's, what's your answer? That's the important thing. Look on your outline this morning, and, and there's qu- three quick things, and we'll, we'll be done. God was revealing to Jonah that he is a God of compassion. God was revealing to Jonah that obviously he had no compassion. So what what does compassion do? We we understand that God is compassionate. Three things. 
Active compassion fills. It fills. It has empathy. It relates. David mentioned this. I think he said it this way. Sometimes the reason maybe we're not as engaged in witnessing and sharing our faith is because we forgot what it was like to be lost. We don't feel that tension anymore. No compassion. Active compassion sees value. Jonah saw more value in the plant than he did the people because he had no no compassion. How, How do you determine the value of something? The simple way is, is really the basic way is to, something is only, the value that something has is only appropriate to what someone will pay for it. Like you may have something at your garage sale that you think is valuable. If nobody's going to buy it, you've set the value too high, haven't you? Does God see value in you? Answer that for yourself. Does God see value in you? Let me answer that for you. The value of something is dependent on what someone is willing to pay for that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his son Jesus for your payment. Does God see value in you? Yes. If God values all people, should you and I not value all people? And that's the point he's trying to make to Jonah. The third one, We have to hurry. Active compassion engages. Active compassion engages. James talks about this. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Yesterday morning I came up here and and was just kind of walking to the auditorium. I have been doing that on Fridays, and just to be honest with you, I forgot Friday, so I came up here and I was just praying and thinking about the message. And this is the statement that God just kind of punched me in the face with. You guys ever been punched in the face by God? It doesn't feel very good, does it? And, and, and the truth is, as we've been going through the book of Jonah, it seems like the entire book, every Sunday, is just a, a punch in my face. Anybody else feel that a little bit? But this is the thought that came to my mind. That... I'm moved to tears on Sunday, but I'm not moved to action on Monday. Do you guys sense that in your own life sometimes? Like you come in here and you worship and you just are reminded of God's grace and His mercy and His love and His compassion, that He sees value in you and that He died for all people 
and that he's put us on mission to tell people about that. But how many people have you told? I'm afraid that maybe some of us, including me, we're more shocked about me cutting up this rose bush than we are about our neighbors going to hell. Did you hear the grass, the gasp when I cut the, that first rose? Some of you wanted to literally punch me, I know. Jonah was angry with God. And I think another way of looking at his anger is he was, he was passionate. Anger is, is, brings with it passion, doesn't it? He was angry at the wrong thing. And it made me think this week, am I angry or am I passionate about the wrong things? And the answer is yes. I had several conversations yesterday about uh, the University of Connecticut women's team who lost, you know, like they had a 111-game winning streak and they lost, and it was crazy. Anybody watch that? I, I get passionate about sports. I get passionate about a lot of things. And so I look at this plant, and it's a reminder to me that I'm just like Jonah. And I think sometimes that we even, well, yeah, I, I feel that tension. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear this. I'm going to tear this out of the risk brochure, and I'm going to give a little more this week, this month, this year. And I hope, I hope you'll give more than you did last year. But I hope that the reason you're increasing this is not so that you can soothe your conscience. Because I'm afraid that's what we do. Jonah was sent on mission. But the, the reality is this morning, everyone in this room has placed their faith in Jesus Christ God has put you on mission also. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? And I want to ask real quick this morning, would, would anyone say, you know, John, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. As you talked about that this morning, God revealed to me that I need to surrender my life to Jesus. If, if that's you this morning and you'd like me to pray for you, what I want to ask you to do real quickly this morning is just to raise your hand for a moment. Just raise your hand up if that's you. John, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. Would you put your hand up? Just put it up real quickly this morning. Just keep it up for a moment as I look around the audience. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that this morning? Just put your hand up. Then, then who in here this morning would say, John, that statement, I moved to tears on Sunday 
but not to action on Monday. And maybe be honest this morning and say, John, that's me. Would you put your hand up? Just put your hand up. Put, put it up. There's a lot of us. I'm going to ask you right now where you're at to pray. Pray that God would, would break your heart for lost people again. Pray that God would give you an opportunity to share your faith with someone. And then pray that God would give you the courage to take the opportunity. Those three things. God, break my heart for lost people again. God, give me an opportunity to share my faith. And God, give me the courage to take the opportunity when you give it. Just right now in the quietness of the hour, would you, would you pray that prayer? In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to continue in our worship this morning. And we've been asking you the last few weeks to pray about being involved in Faith Promise Missions. Some of you, this will be the first time you've ever done this. And, and I want to say to you, congratulations because you will not regret it. God will bless you for your faithfulness. God will bless you for you risking and taking this step of faith. Some of you will fill this out for the 50th year in a row. And every year you try to do a little more. And I will say thank you. But, but what I want you to do this morning as, as an individual or a couple or a family, in a moment when we stand and we, we begin to worship, I'm going to ask you to bring these forward, these commitment cards forward, and I want you just to lay it on the altar somewhere. Maybe it's on the front, front pew, on the stairs. And I want you just to pray over that. It's a commitment between you and God. There's no place on here for your name. And that God would give you the ability to give what you've promised to give. That God would break your heart for lost people. That God would give you an opportunity. That God would give you the courage. God, we are, we are so blessed to know you, Lord. And, and just on my, in my own life today, Lord, forgive me, Lord, for being like Jonah. Then on, in, in some ways, I, I feel like I deserve your grace and they don't. God, forgive me for being selfish and stubborn and self-righteous. Give me opportunities and give me courage to take those opportunities. Would you stand with us this morning as we sing and, and again, I ask you to come forward and worship. Nate.